Okay, I think I'm here if you are. <laughs> well, hey folks, Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to This Week in the News. And yes, that's right. I have changed the title of this broadcast. Still going to do it weekly, but rather than This Week in the New York Times, I'm shortening it to This Week in the News for a couple reasons. One is it's just simply more accurate. I draw from all sorts of sources for this show. Last week, I think it was, or a week or two ago, I talked about Morning Joe and I pull stories from the Wall Street Journal and The Economist. I kind of try to stay with the pedigree stuff, but uh, you know, we uh, roam all over the place these days. So there's that. And then secondly, and maybe even more important, the New York Times has evolved as has the culture and I find that it no longer is the central pillar of my information flow as it was, it has been for many decades. And, um, and that's, I'm good with that. I think it's evolutionarily appropriate and it actually points to a dynamic that I think is really fun to notice when we think about you know, the evolution of culture. And that is that the stages of evolution and, you know, Currently in the US, most of the developed world, we're dealing with three worldviews that are in contention. The traditionalist worldview, the conservative, socially conservative God and country, the modernist worldview, secular, just wants to keep the trains running on time, and postmodern or progressive. And this is where, you know, they're increased sensitivity, egalitarianism, and so forth. And these worldviews. Um, they don't just arise and then there they are. They continue to develop within their own physics, a horizontal development. And the New York Times is a perfect example of that. The New York Times has always been the liberal paper. Uh, it, uh, and as progressivism came online, you know, this differentiation between, within the left, actually, and I actually did a podcast on it at the Daily Evolver a couple of days ago. It's about to be posted um, on a, a, an essay I saw that dissected this, you know, how the, the amoeba of the left is splitting into progressive and a more, um, you know, classic liberal, in a sense, left. And, um, you know, the New York Times has moved. It's keeping a foot in both camps, for sure. But it's very much moving into that ever more green, um, uh, progressive uh, exploration of the world. And it's interested in all the things that green's interested in, like power dynamics and history and oppression and oppressed and indigenous cultures and colonialism and bringing people who have been at the margins of society into the center of society. Um, race, gender, all of that, having a world consciousness that is sensitive to species and climate, you know, multicultural, egalitarian, all of that. Friends of the animals. Uh, <laughs> I had a friend uh, call me, a good liberal friend, the other day, and she was just horrified. She was reading the science book. She's a science buff. And she was reading that 99.9% of all species that have ever existed on the planet have gone extinct. 
And that from evolution's point of view, it doesn't seem to care about evolution or, or about extinctions. And that's true, actually, until it isn't. You know, it doesn't care until it does. And evolution eventually creates a species that cares about the other species. It's us. And green is at the point of that arrow. And so I'm all in on green continuing to do its thing. I'm all in on checking its totalitarian impulses as it does, because every stage has a totalitarian impulse but they also have gold that they're mining. And so I, I like it. And, and the New York Times will continue to be a big part of my media diet. Uh, and I do appreciate the sort of how they cover labor disputes in third world countries. And you know, this, this sensitivity to, to, um, to all of that is really, really important. So I'm all in with the New York Times, but it's just, it doesn't define me like it used to. I'll put it that way. All right, let me see here. Okay, so um, we talk about this horizontal evolution and that's definitely happening. And I think we talk about it all the time here on uh, in terms of the green progressive. That's why we define ourselves at the post-progressive post with the term post-progressive because we see that there is a, a stage of development beyond post-modernity that, you know, we call it the integral stage, the integral age that is arising, that is an integration of the stages that came before. And that is, um, you know, so, so there's, there's an integral media, there's an integral press that wants to arise around this new sensibility. And so let me just explore that a little bit because, you know, it's arising, I think, and it's worth pointing out. And, you know, I, for one, as an integralist, want to be there. You know, I want to be part of that. So I guess just to stick with the New York Times for a minute, the New York Times has a lot of integral sparkle to it. Uh, it, 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 you know, part of it is just being the, 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 the sort of good old momentum of the orange press where everything's fair and all points of view need to be considered. Uh, you know, there was a narrow point, narrow range of point of views that were considered. But the New York Times and basic fairness does have uh, the, certainly on the op-ed page, the editorial pages, uh, and I often uh, cite them in the show, Ross Douthat, uh, David Brooks, Brett Stevens. Uh, these guys are, you know, as, as my friend says, they're Republicans with a brain. <laughs> so they sort of get in the door here. But I, you know, when they and the New York Times in general are publishing something that goes against the green creed, then that's sort of de facto integral. And I noticed yesterday there was a major op-ed by Ross Douthat. Uh, it was the case against abortion. And, uh, you know, I might talk about it further. I'll, I'll probably revisit this once the um, Supreme Court rules. But, um, you know, it was good. It was very legalistic. It didn't have the sort of spiritual juice that I would like uh, 
and you know that's that that the, the spiritual juice i do think is part of what will be defining of the integral press and um you know again that's more of a question than an answer at this point but again anytime the new york times goes against the creed another one that i feature here is an article that was in the op-ed section by Bill Gruskin, who's on the editorial board, and he used to work for the, the Wall Street Journal, and he's, um, you know, in the sort of fold of this pedigreed journalism. And it's on the Steele dossier that um, has been now discredited, and this is what the liberals, including me, ran with for years against Donald Trump. But you can see it the Steele dossier, what's he say, indicted the media. Subhead, many journalists were too eager to prove what they thought they knew. So this is in the New York Times, and I appreciated it. And I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs here. He writes, on January 10th, 2017, okay, so this is right after Trump's elected, BuzzFeed News published a photo rendition of a 35-page memo titled U.S. Presidential Election, colon, Republican Candidate Donald Trump's Activities in Russia and Compromising Relationship with the Kremlin, unquote. Those who were online that evening remember the jolt. I do. Yes, these were just allegations, but perhaps this was the Rosetta Stone of Trump corruption touching everything from dodgy real estate negotiations to assorted hotel room tryst, all tied together by the president-elect's obeisance to President Vladimir Putin of Russia. Sure, the memo provided little hard evidence, but, BuzzFeed said, it had, quote, circulated at the highest levels of the U.S. government, unquote, and had, quote, acquired a kind of legendary status among journalists, lawmakers, and intelligence officials, unquote. This, along with tantalizing tidbits like Source A confided or confirmed by Source E, gave it a patina of authenticity, especially to those unaware that spycraft often involves chasing unverified information down dead ends. Any caveats even BuzzFeed's own opening description of the allegations as, quote, explosive but unverified, unquote, even that those allegations could be dismissed as a kind of obligatory consciousness. I'm sorry, obligatory, obligatory cautiousness. All right, now it's been largely, largely discredited by two federal investigations, and, you know, Mueller didn't go anywhere with it, and um, leaving journalists to reckon how in the heat of competition, so many were taken in so easily because the dossier seemed to confirm what they already suspected. And um, yeah, I, I think this is a terrific reckoning for liberals, and um, I'll include myself here. I, I don't think I did a whole episode on it, but I know I talked about the um, a documentary called Active Measures, which made the case that Trump was you know, completely the pawn of Russia. And I remember that they talked about that, you know, just the basics of recruiting somebody into, you know, your fold is to uh, uh, appeal to them with money, with ego, 
and with sex. And, you know, I was like, Trump, if, if they haven't gotten him as a, uh, you know, what was it called? A, an active measure, a basic asset in the Russian um, uh, uh, field, then, you know, they were, they were malpractice. It was malpractice if they, if they didn't have Trump. So it all made perfect sense to me and, you know, and everybody. And it gives you a... Um, a view, Here, here's one other paragraph I wanna just share. Um, the day after the dossier came out, Mr. Trump told reporters, it's all fake news, it's phony stuff, it didn't happen. Washington Post, Washington Post fact checkers would catalog more than 30,000 Trump falsehoods during his term. When a well-known liar says something is false, the instinct is to believe that it might well be true. So you get the sense of the insidiousness of these worldviews, you know, and how easy it is for the people in Magistan to believe Trump's obvious fabrications about this election. Uh, you know, so this is good. This is, I mean, I feel cleansed. I mean, cleansed, I feel, you know, bad. But, uh, you know, to the degree that I can see how I got pulled in and how there's still, I see people on the left still saying, you know, you know Trump colluded and, you know, this doesn't get him off the hook. And there's, there's you know, we've gotten into that sort of uh, uh, law of the infinite cornucopia where there's arguments to shore up any position that are, easily available to you online. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I realize, and I've talked about this before, is that, uh, you know, Trump colluding looks like that's a thin case or, you know, just bullshit. But in simpatico with Russia, yes, that's true. And, and that's where, you know, Trump was colluding with Russia in full view in public. And because, and, and this is where Integral helps, again, a great deal. They think the same way. You know, Trump is an autocrat at heart and he and Putin and, you know, the other autocrats, there's a certain uh, fraternity there that they, uh, they get each other. And, um, and this is, you know, we talk about how the, the, the horizontal evolution of green and how it becomes ever more sensitive and ever more intelligent about its project. This, this is what's happening with the stage of traditionalism, that there is a rising global traditionalism that is finding each other. You know, so Tucker Carlson goes to Hungary and Trump and, and uh, you know, Orban and Bolsonaro and, um, and Putin. And, uh, you know, they, they uh, think the same way. So um, that's the collusion. <laughs> All right, so, so again, so the, the integral press, the New York Times when it's publishing against its creed, that I, I'd put them there for the most part. I mean, there's limits. The, 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 one of the editors did famously get fired about a year ago for printing an op-ed by Tom Cotton, who is a senator who is a credible candidate for president in the Republican side. So that was a bridge too far, but um, they're, they're, they're letting in some of the, uh, more intelligent conservative ideas. 
Um, I would also say the Wall Street Journal uh, that and The Economist, those are two real highly pedigreed publications that have integral, um, some integral sensibilities uh, in the sense that both of them, both of these publications rest on a bedrock of classic liberalism. You know, they're fundamentally pro-Western capitalism, uh, but they are also, particularly The Economist, is very pro-environmentalist, uh, that uh, neither of them seem to be quite all in on multiculturalism, certainly not like the New York Times in, is. And they both, particularly The Economist, spends a good bit of time pointing out the total totalitarian, totalitarian aspects of extreme green, like the thought police and cancel culture. But, um, you know, they're still, I think, very, very good magazines that are, you know, take their role seriously and, and try to, you know, curate the reality for us. And uh, so, yeah, so then that gets us to another uh, publication of the integral age, I think. And that is the online publication that is the uh, publication of the Institute for Cultural Evolution. And that is the Post-Progressive Post, which I think most of you are familiar with. But I would point out that what is really, I think, most valuable about the, the post-progressive post, or at least this is the bedrock that they're working with. This, this is Steve McIntosh. I'm on the board, some other great people, Carter Phipps, is publishing position papers that have a win-win-win on current event, current event issues. The, the, the latest one is on K-12 public education in the U.S., and it's a win you know, the, the idea is to come up with a win for traditionalism, a win for modernity, and a win for postmodernity, for progressivism. And in doing so, that is, you know, that is the integral move. So check out the post-progressive post, and, you know, dig into it. There's a lot of good stuff in there if you haven't already. And then in a sense, um, you know, the, the, the internet itself is a integral publication media move. In a way, it's green in the sense that every voice is heard and you know there, there's not a lot of um, organization and it's messy. But to the degree that the internet is curated, uh, then you can really turn it into an integral pillar of your media. And you can do that, of course, with uh, who you follow on Twitter and, you know, who you have in your news uh, tabs and that sort of thing. So that we're hearing every voice. And that's really important that the integral project is to hear and appreciate and see what they see that you don't from your political opponents or cultural opponents. I was on a um, Zoom call the other night for a conference that was put on by Integral Brazil and the founder, Marcela Cordoza, who is, they're celebrating their 10th year and they, they had a thousand people signed up. It was great. And um, I was on a panel and, and it was kicked off by Ken, Ken Wilbur. And he was, uh, he was great. Uh, and I, it just reminded me how 
Ken Wilbur can really hit the, you know, it's mother's milk to me oftentimes when he just sort of sums things up. And he was talking about how in the coming integral age, and he makes this point about that there's probably five to 7% of the developed world as operating at an integral stage of development. And that when that hits 10%, that they'll, it will become the, the visible cultural vanguard of the culture. And I, I, I hope so, you know, I, I definitely see it continuing to arise, you know, whether people know integral or not, there's a de facto integral consciousness arising all over the place. I seek to point it out here and on the Daily Evolver. But he said that the, it, 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 in the coming integral age, the question that people will ask themselves naturally is how can I incorporate that other worldview into my own? And he laid out, you know, these various positions, cosmic addresses on his aqua map. And, and he came to the conclusion, and I loved this, that in the coming integral age, people will realize that they're 12 times smarter than they thought. And that's because they are able to take up residency in these other world spaces. And they don't have to argue with them. Uh, you know, they get really, really curious about them and, um, and realize that everybody there is, for the most part, operating in good faith. They want to make the world a better place for their grandchildren, just like you do. So um, I loved that. And, and, it, and it, you know, it made me realize that, you know, as all of these stages continue to, you know, we continue to, the traditionalism gets more and more visible and, you know, more and more powerful in, it, in its own way. Modernity, we get smarter. You know, the, I was noticing, I was reading about the Flynn effect, which is where IQs have just continued to increase decade for decade in the U U.S. where they study it. And I guess it's a worldwide test. But just in general, I mean, we're more rational, computing, artificial intelligence, more and more smart all the time. And more and more um, of sensitive, more and more post-progressive, more and more progressive uh, and postmodern. Um, and that these are radical shifts vertically as well. And if the theorists like Ken and Claire Graves and folks like that are correct, the move from post-modernity into integral will not just be a stage move, but a tier move. So it's even more dra dramatic. And that's how we get to be 12 times smarter. And I, I, I kind of buy that. I, I, I like that. Uh, as long as we're also 12 times more loving, which I think will be 12 times more sensitive, even 12 times more willing to get in the arena and fight with each other fairly. You know, all of it will just be 12 times more vivid and human than we are now. And that's pretty exciting. So I think that'll do me. I hope you folks are all enjoying this end of the year season. I sure am. And it's nice to see the lights come up and, you know, that holiday feel. And it warms my heart. And, you know, I hope you're all having a good holiday season. And thank you for joining me on the newly titled This Week in the News. And we'll see you next week, same time, same station. Take care, folks.